All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of Real Talk. Back again, Brad, Nick. Guys, how are you? Good. Pretty good, man. Good stuff. You know, uh, Nick, welcome back to the episodes. Uh, the last couple that division breakdowns we did were fun. This time we're going to jump into a 2020 predictions. We're going to try and keep these on more of a bold prediction, so we're not going to give you your stereotypical answers. And hopefully some of them come true. Um, feel free to harass us on the Facebook page and keep that thing steady, and we'll go from there. Well, let's go ahead and just start off right from the start. MVP. Anybody want to start with uh, what they consider a bold prediction and then maybe a dark horse after that? Yeah, I'll go ahead and take it away. I don't mind doing that. Um, I think a guy who's been playing down maybe for the last year or two that's uh, on a new team, everybody might be thinking of this guy, but uh, Tom Brady got all the weapons. Doesn't doesn't have to force the ball at all this year. Someone's always going to be open. You'd think on that team. Just got um, another stable running back. He's got two of those now. And I mean, with all the weapons, who could argue that Tom Brady isn't going to have a just stat sheet filled year and maybe one of the top records in the NFC. And um, I don't know if people really think he's a dark horse. Maybe some people expect it because he's. Tom Brady, but he would probably be the oldest MVP ever in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken. He's, what, 42 now? I don't know if there's ever been a 42-year-old MVP. He's 43 as of August. <clears throat> 43, okay. So there you go. I doubt there's ever been a 43-year-old MVP. Um, but if we're talking about a true dark horse, and uh, I'm going to make some of you guys spit here, but a guy who could take comeback player of the year and his first ever MVP could be Big Ben of the Steelers. Um, I hear a lot of talk about how the Steelers were eight and eight last year and they're going to be worse. I don't understand how, um, I'm not going to get too into just the Steelers here, but big Ben is at the helm here. He's got a ton of weapons. We've drafted him weapons every year. The last year we, we brought in a pro bowl level tight end in Eric Ebron, big Ben. We have the second easiest schedule on paper and he's going to have an amazing year and people can say the elbow is going to get hurt. We're not on here to predict injuries. I think big Ben could possibly win an MVP this year. If the Steelers could take home the AFC North, but that would be my two predictions, Tom or big Ben. Nick, who do you got? Well, uh, apparently we're going back to 2015 here because Tom Brady was also someone I saw as long as we're trying to avoid the Patrick Mahomes, Lamar Jackson names, uh, I mean, he has so many weapons. He's got a security blanket back with Gronkowski. It, and on top of it, a Bruce Arians offense. I mean, he's going to just be chucking the ball up and down the field every game. Um, if we're going to look at a real dark horse, it's a team that we've talked about in an episode that I was in with the Arizona Cardinals. Kyler Murray, if he takes a big step forward with adding, you know, DeAndre Hopkins and the ageless Larry Fitzgerald, he he's going to be putting up some stats. If he can keep the turnovers down and they have a good record, man, it, it, it could be something. So my MVP and Dark Horse were exactly the same as yours, Nick. So I'm going to take a quick audible and I have a couple other names in my back pocket here. Look out for these two names. Cam Newton of New England, I know it's a fresh offense, it's a complicated offense, but what Tom Brady's been able to do in that offense, if you add running ability, I don't know, I just feel like if Cam Newton can turn in 11 wins 
with a great stat line. He has a very good chance to look at an MVP year. But another, my dark horse, I'm going to switch it up from Kyler and go with Drew Locke out of Denver. Has the weapons, has the running game. Tough, tough, tough division. But you know what? If that dude balls out, throws up a ton of good numbers and has a playoff run, I don't know. You know, he, he could pop overnight. He really could. If, I don't think in today's league it'd be unheard of for him to throw upwards of 38 touchdowns if he got hot and this offense really started to click now that he has weapons. I don't know. I'll throw him out as my dark horse. Um, yeah, but speaking I, of, but <laughs> sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, speaking of Drew Locke, uh, just yesterday had a fantasy draft. Shout out to my cousin Andy. I, I'm pretty sure he listens to the show, but – he drafted Drew Luck in the last round and said he's going to trade him off for King's Ransom after he pops off. So I think he's heading the same way as you thinking Drew Locke's going to be a stud this year. I, so here's the thing. I didn't draft him in a single fantasy league. I still have one more fantasy league to draft out tonight. So I can't put my money where my mouth is there. But I'll tell you what. If, if there's anybody that's going to blow up this year, and I won't be surprised, it's Drew Locke. I guess we'll just say that. So. Yeah. Moving on to Offensive Player of the Year. I'll go ahead and start this one off. I think even if he doesn't get an MVP award, I think Tom Brady's going to be the Offensive Player of the Year. There's too much offensive firepower, and he's going to be asked to do, in my opinion, a lot. He's going to throw for over 4,000 yards, and he's going to clear over 30 touchdowns. And shockingly, the 30-touchdown mark isn't as common as it was just a couple of years back. It took a, a minor step back these last couple of years. Um, the leader in the league last year only threw 36. So if Brady were to throw 40 this year, it's almost going to be a wrap that he's going to be the offensive player of the year. And we'll probably get an MVP with it too. But uh, my dark horse and the last time Aaron Rodgers was picked outside of the top 10 on the top 100, he won the MVP. So I'm going to take a dark horse of Aaron Rodgers as a just an offensive player of the year slash MVP candidate. And he doesn't have a whole lot around him. He didn't really gain too much. But if that dude's going to play with his hair on fire and a, and a stick up his ass and a chip on his shoulder, look out for Aaron Rodgers. No, there's, no other, there's no other guy that uh, you can bet against. So, Nick, what do you got? Um, offensive player of the year. Um, this is another guy we've talked about before someone who has to do everything for his team and put up a ton of points, Russell Wilson. I, I think his Great. stat lines across the board are going to be outrageous, you know, both in life and in fantasy. And then if we're <laughs> gonna go for offensive player, I'm thinking maybe Dalvin Cook. You get rid of Stephon Diggs out of Minnesota. They, they just, they're going to be running the ball even more this year. And I, I think if he stays healthy, he's, he's going to top 1,500 yards, double-digit touchdowns, add a few more in receiving. That, that would be my pick. All right, so I'll squeeze in here. Um, there is a guy that I'm getting a lot of stick for taking over Michael Thomas and Christian McCaffrey at number one in my draft yesterday. Saquon Barkley will be the offensive player of the year. I think he came right out of the gates his rookie year, blew everyone away. <clears throat> and then last year he dealt with a little bit of injury problems. This year he will have more points than Christian McCaffrey. He will have more points than Michael Thomas. This guy is just an absolute 
monster. He's got a quarterback the team seems to believe in now in Daniel Jones. A little bit of a threat on the outside with Sterling Shepard, Golden Tate. Darius Slayton kind of blew up last year in his second year going into his third. They have Evan Ingram. They drafted another offensive lineman this year as they did last year. Saquon Barkley is going to have over 2,000 yards of total offense, and he's going to have, I'm going to say, somewhere from 20 to 25 total touchdowns. He's going to be the McCaffrey of last year. That's obviously a prediction. I can't say that's for certain, but Saquon Barkley is going to explode. He's going to take the spot as the best running back in the NFL after this year. That's pretty fair for both a dark horse and a bold prediction, but do you have a dark horse or are you, are you rolling with a double there? I'm going with Saquon Barkley. I don't even yeah. know. I mean, I think, no, I'm just going to go with Saquon Barkley here. That, that's fair. That's a, that's a good one. That is a good one. You know, we're just, we're talking two years removed from the conversation of being better than Christian. And had it not been for an injury last year, as we and me spoke about just the other day off the phone, yeah, maybe that could be a thing. So let's go ahead and move on to defensive player of the year. Does anybody want to start this one off? Otherwise, I can. I, I kind of want to start this one off. Go ahead. Because, <clears throat> first of all, before we get into it, Aaron Donald is always going to be the number one candidate. Not a bold prediction, but correct can't that, about the guy. Correct. Um, absolute beast. But – what I'd like to do for people who listen to the pod often, um, I do believe there are certain players in the league that completely change the complexity of the team, even if they're not a quarterback, when they join a new team. I was really, really hard on the Seattle Seahawks, but they signed the defensive player of the year in Jamal Adams. He's going to have a guy on his defense with him named Bobby Wagner, a caliber of player he's never played with before on defense. Pete Carroll is going to do whatever he wants with Jamal Adams. He gets to play. He's going to be a pass rusher. He's going to be a linebacker. He's going to be a safety. He's going to be a corner. Jamal Adams already, if you guys watched the NFL 100, was voted the best safety in the NFL. I think next year's NFL 100, he's going to have his first top 10, top 10 uh, appearance on the NFL 100. And uh, Jamal Adams is going to completely change the complexity of that team. And uh, the Seahawks, who now have two top five defensive players on the same defense. So, oh, peep, I, I do have Seattle winning that division now. That's a huge switch. But I think Jamal Adams is that guy, and he takes home that award. I'm going to go next, Nick, if you don't mind. Go ahead. I'm going to also choose a safety. And I'm feeling very confident about this safety. Because this this safety dominated the first eight games of the year. And unfortunately, this team was uncompetitive in the second half of the year. And people didn't need to throw on him anymore. Minka Fitzpatrick, I think, is going to walk away with the Defensive Player of the Year award this year. Having Big Ben back, where there's a good chance you're going to be leading in a lot of games, at least way more competitive, where the game's going down to the fourth quarter. And you have to throw. Minka's a ball hawk. And he displayed that last year. He is my he's my front runner and my bold prediction to win the defensive player of the year. But a second guy I want to give a quick shout out to, because I don't know that this player has ever played alongside a defensive player like Cleo Mack. Robert Quinn of the Bears. I'm very high on this year to have a huge season. 
you know, he's he's several years removed from his 20 sack season, and I don't think he's going to get back to a 20 sack season because that's asking a lot. But on the NFC North podcast, if you guys remember, I did say that Chicago would eclipse what they had last year and lead the league in sacks. I think that Robert Quinn is going to have a monster year. And if Chicago's even remotely good, Robert Quinn will be the reason. And he's my dark horse to win the defensive player of the year. But I do think Minka will get it. And I think he'll get it fairly easily. Just like last year, people really weren't discussing whether Gilmore was going to get it or not. It was when he was going to get it. I think we'll talk the same conversation with Minka. I think he's going to be a runaway candidate. Obviously, your Aaron Donald's always going to be in that conversation. But I just don't see the Rams being as good as the Steelers this coming year. So that's where I'm going with that. Just a little comment on that. It could work in a little bit of the opposite way with Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks being there. It could be the return of Khalil Mack to the top of the list. So I just don't want to pass over him because with all the help he has on that line now, he's going to get more one-on-one opportunities and he's two guys. So absolutely. And I, I wouldn't rule out Khalil Mack and Khalil Mack is better than Robert Quinn, but if you're throwing double teams, you're going to throw them towards for sure. Towards Khalil Mack. That's that's why I have Robert Quinn just going off. And if they have to be, for God's sakes, they have to be one-on-one, people are going to have trouble with Chicago. Oh, yeah. Nick, who you got as your defensive player? Well, uh, I made you call an audible earlier. You're doing the same thing to me here, talking about the Bears. I was going to go with Khalil Mack, but uh, okay. another guy that I had in mind that was, you know, I was going back and forth with him and Khalil Mack is uh, Von Miller. Getting Chubb mm. back is going to be Big for Denver. You can't just double and triple team Von Miller on every play. That guy is going to get double-digit sacks. He runs that outside linebacker scheme, so he's going to get plenty of open field tackles. He's going to have triple-digit tackles. He's going to have double-digit sacks. I mean, Aaron Donald, we all know, is the front runner, but Khalil Mack is going to be something different because of Robert Quinn, and I think with Chubb coming back, I think it's going to be the same thing with Von Miller. Another thing that helps Von, everyone I talk to about the Broncos, I tell them, you forgot they also signed Jarrell Casey at defensive tackle. And everyone goes, oh, that's right. Like, he's a monster. They they could put three down on the line every play and wreak havoc on quarterbacks. It's amazing. So that whole defense is going to be solid. But, yes, Von Miller, I, he didn't even cross my mind because he's so good. But, like, yeah, he's he hasn't really been Von Miller the last two years. Well, he just hasn't had quite the help that he's had in years right. past. But now with Chubb coming back and a signing mm-hmm. like that, you know, that he, he's going to finally get some one-on-ones here and there that he hasn't seen in at least a year or two. That's a good pick. Um, speaking of, of Denver, you know, I, I'm unfamiliar with their secondary right now because I feel like over the last couple of years they've transformed it so much. Watch out for just one of their corners to pop off because there's literally no time for the quarterback to sit in the pocket and find somebody. He's going to have to rush passes, and all of a sudden, you know, no X, X, X corner that nobody's talked about in three years is balling with, with seven interceptions by week 10. You know what I mean? Yeah. So the, the Broncos have two really good safeties, and with A.J. Boy and those two safeties, I mean, yeah. it's Oh, yeah, Boya. Okay, so, yeah, that's oh, right. They did sign mm-hmm. They got rid of Chris Harris Jr. to bring in A.J. Boye. They've got two safeties, so it's like they kind of have their number one guy that they can they can say, you know, shut down this side because him and Ramsey play sides. So you know he's over there. You have your two good safeties who are pretty versatile. 
And then you've got that monstrosity of a defensive line. The That's why Drew Locke is a really good dark horse MVP candidate. Because with all those weapons, they drafted the best name in the NFL at center, Lloyd Cushenberry, out of LSU to help that offensive line. The Broncos, the AFC West is scary. But yes, Von Miller is the best player on that team and defense, I would say. And Von Miller could be poised for a 20-sack year. I like that pick a lot, Nick. That's a that's a really good pick. Do you have anybody else for a dark horse, Nick? I know I kind of jumped in there. Um, I, Not really, just because, like I said, I, I was stuck with Khalil Mack, and the backup one was going to be Von Miller. But, yeah, we, we already talked about what the Bears' front's going to be, and I, I feel like we had to give some love to Denver because that's that's going to be a problem for a lot of AFC teams this year. I'll tell you what, I I almost forgot about Von Miller. You know, he's four, he's four four years removed from perhaps his best season ever, you know, where he dominates on a defense, wins the Super Bowl, and I think he even got Super Bowl MVP in that okay. game, if I'm not. Yeah. So not only did he get Defensive Player of the Year, he got the Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he won a Super Bowl. Just a massive year for him. And we haven't really seen that type of year in a while. So you get Bradley Chubb back, and he's healthy and ready to go. Maybe that's the year that uh, – and he's got Casey. I mean, the fact that we're not talking about Casey it is honestly disrespectful. So moving right along, offensive rookie. There's a lot to choose from here. I think – I'll go ahead and start. I think Joe Burrow is the obvious choice. So I'll throw his name out there because he's going to be the starter from day one. He's going to throw it a ton. He's got – several good receivers. They don't really have the offensive line. They're going to be behind in a lot of games. I don't think it's crazy to say that Joe Burrow is going to throw for 4,000 yards this year. He might also throw 25 touchdowns and 20 picks, but I don't think it's crazy to say he's going to throw for 4,000 yards, which might win him the rookie of the year. My dark horse, because I think it's going to be tough for him to get the rookie of the year because there's so many weapons. CD lamb, you got Michael Gallup and you have Amari Cooper and you have Zeke. There's a lot going on in Dallas, and Dallas obviously is a high-profile team, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. He might not have to do as much to get his name out there, but also the stats might not be there compared to maybe a Jerry Judy okay, or some other guys that, that potentially could could play this year. I'm, I guess my, my offensive rookie of the year as my choice would be Joe Burrow if I had to put some money down, but my dark horse is definitely going to be CeeDee Lamb. Yeah. Um, I like the CD Lamb pick because even if he has low volume catches or not the most yards, his team theoretically is going to have a good record and he could have 10 plus touchdowns. He could have only 40 to 50 catches and still have 10 to 12 be a touchdown. He's he's that kind of guy. And there's so much attention to Amari Cooper. I had him down as a player too. Um, I think one of my dark horses, and it's a guy I don't really hear anyone talking about that i really love out of Arizona State, Brandon Ayuk. He goes to the 49ers, and I think anybody who has Kyle Shanahan as their head coach immediately has an edge there. And you've got guys like Debo Samuel, Manuel Sanders is gone. So much attention is paid to uh, George Kittle, rightfully so. But Brandon Ayuk, he, he went in the first round, and I, I think he's going to be phenomenal down there as a, tar- as a target for Jimmy G. And I just I, I think more people should talk about him. It's going to be tough for – I love Jonathan Taylor. 
got him across all my fantasy leagues. Love him. I think he's the best pure runner that came out of the draft this year. Um, it's going to be difficult for him because I don't know if he's the starter the first couple games. They have Marlon Matt going into the season. But once he, once, once he takes that role, because he is going to be the starter at some point in the season, once he takes that role, he's running behind some hogs. So you're telling me there's a chance Jonathan Taylor won't even be touched for two or three yards. Um, Phillip Rivers gives him a little bit more of a scare as a passer if he's got time. Uh, really like Jonathan Taylor. So those would be my two picks. But I think Brandon Ayuk has a really good shot here. What you got, Nick? Um, well, you actually just took the words out of my mouth there with Jonathan Taylor. I, I feel like, you know, he, he's gonna be the starter by week four or five. I, I would say Mac wasn't able to stay healthy last year and you just have an absolute workhorse coming out of Wisconsin. Um, if I'm going to go a dark horse for the offensive rookie of the year, he, he somehow got forgotten about. I feel like ever since the draft with Jerry Judy. You know, we were just talking about Denver, and I, I feel like he could really be the one that Locke's going to really start targeting. You know, he's going to be that guy down the field. Um, you know, if I were to put money on it, obviously it'd be Burroughs, but as far as, you know, a name that not everyone's going to guess, I'm going to go with either Jonathan Taylor or Jerry Judy because I think both of them are in for real big years. Well, let me piggyback that real quick because I think a name that's – definitely not being talked about i haven't seen his name remotely surface in any fantasy drafts you have a guy like court and sutton on one side and a guy like jerry judy on one side ain't nobody remembering kj hamler coming right up the seam with blazing speed he might turn into a tyree kill overnight i mean that's a bold prediction but kj hamler can really fly can really catch. He's elusive as all get out. He can be used in the slot. He might have a all of a sudden breakout year. Jerry Judy, obviously the stud that he is, and Sutton obviously coming off a great year. Who knows? Maybe uh, maybe KJ Hamler even makes some noise out of Denver. Two rookie receivers, obviously. Moving on to defensive rookie of the year. I think that... Uh, when we did the AFC West breakdown, the the three of us, I think we all pretty much zoned in on Isaiah Simmons as a guy to look out for. As that that Nick, I think you call him the utility knife or the whatever you call him, but the Swift Army knife. But I'm gonna go with my bold prediction slash dark horse, and I don't think a lot of people even realize how good this dude is. But the number one secondary in the league last year belonged to New England. They return every piece, except Patrick Chung is going to sit out the year. And that gives Kyle Duggar an immediate role to step in and play from day one. And he gets to go next to Devin McCourty. He gets to go to next to Stephon Gilmore. He gets to be with J.C. Jackson, Jonathan Jones, and even Jason McCourty. Literally studs all around the secondary. He's going to fit in great. I think he's going to be asked to play in the box. Anything I've heard out of training camp is that he's going to be a dog. Kyle Duggar is my defensive rookie of the year slash dark horse defensive rookie of the year. I think everyone is going to be talking like, holy shit, New England found this gem that everybody was laughing at in the second round because they couldn't find any film on him because nobody expected him to go that early. Okay. I, I don't want to jump in on this one. Um, 
a name that really popped up to me in the last couple days. I mean, obviously we talked about Isaiah Simmons, and I do think he's going to be defensive rookie of the year. But if there's going to be a dark horse, uh, I've not heard anyone mention Patrick Queen over in Baltimore, especially now that they've got Calais Campbell in front of them on that fleece of a deal from Jacksonville. To have him in the middle of that Baltimore defense out of LSU, I, I mean, Baltimore knows how to make middle linebackers. That's just Period. Too. Period. Their scheme has always built a great middle linebacker. Yeah. Um, like I said, obviously, I would pick Simmons just because of how versatile he is. He's going to get interceptions, sacks, force fumbles, high volume tackles. But if there's somebody that's just going to be consistent week in and week out in his scheme with the front line he's got in front of him in Baltimore, I would say Patrick Queen. So I've got two guys here, and I want to start with one guy who all we did before the pre-draft was talk about how outrageous his numbers were. All we did talking about during the draft was he's going to go top five, no doubt. And now after he's drafted, we just don't want to talk about Jeff Okuda anymore. Jeff Okuda is going to walk in and feel like a fourth-year player. He's going to come in, and he's going to look at look at any wide receiver that lines up against him, and he's going to play him well. I don't see any way that Jeff Okuda isn't successful in the NFL. Now, it is hard for a corner to win because you got to have the interceptions, maybe a touchdown or two. We'll see. But even if you don't really believe in the Lions, you look across that offense and they're going to put up points, which means the other teams are going to have to throw. Jeff Okuda is going to see some balls. And don't be surprised in the first four weeks if he answers the question and teams start trying to not throw towards him. Jeff Okuda is going to be a dog. He's got a real good chance. Ohio State makes DBs for a living, and he's just the next one in line. Secondly, to go with the middle linebackers, Kenneth Murray was the first middle linebacker off the board to the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chargers have three shut-down man-to-man corners, and they have two dogs on the outside of the line, and Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. He doesn't have to be very rangy, and he's already fast. Being rangy was what he was good at. But instead of covering sideline to sideline with all the help around the perimeter that he has, He just has to focus on in between the hashes, and Kenneth Murray is going to shine in that defense. A guy who could have took some of the shine away, which is sad, Derwin James is now gone for the year. Kenneth Murray's going to have to be that guy in the middle, and I believe he's fit for the bill. Kenneth Murray might just walk away with defensive rookie of the year. Well, if you guys don't have anything else, we'll move on to comeback player of the year. I actually do have one thing on that. You were bringing up Okuda, and, man, I wish I could – Wish I could be as positive as you are right now, but the word out of training camp with Detroit is he is not starting. Wow. Really? He has he has apparently been getting burnt every day in and out of practice. Now, granted, that's by Kenny Galladay getting it thrown back to him from Stafford. So that's a connection that's been there a couple years and been solid. But the word is, is that he is maybe going to be the nickel corner going into week one, and he's fighting for that position. Uh, well, I. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but um, when he's on the field, we'll see what happens. I I could be very wrong. I guess I didn't know that they were thinking of him that way. I didn't think you took a guy what third overall to make well, him your and, backup and that's corner. Exactly what I thought, but you know, when 
when you have corners trying to transition to the NFL, you take away a training camp and preseason games for a position like that, trying to get the timing down of bigger, faster NFL receivers. It's going to take time. It's not necessarily a knock on him. You know, it's the coronavirus world we live in, but the word is he may not be starting. That's fair. Kenneth Murray, lock it in. <laughs> I'm, 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 well, I'm going to backpedal just a, a tad minute here. I think it would be wild, and I don't think it's out of the question, especially if Akuta does ball for the Lions to wrap up an offensive and defensive rookie of the year with Swift taking home the offensive player. None of us mentioned him, but um, on Johnson struggled to get healthy. AP hasn't exactly um, shown that he's going to take over a starting role. I personally believe they brought him in to be a goal line back. Watch out for Swift to maybe get home a thousand yard season, and, uh, a seven to 10 touchdown punching. So, yeah. Um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, that was always it. You know, thinking of defensive rookie of the year, you know, I was just running across some guys that I, I had written down. The more I think about it, we talk about how the Panthers drafted seven defensive guys. First of all, if any of them pops off to be the leader of that defense, that could put them in instant contention for defensive rookie of the year with the number one candidate being Derek Brown. You know, everyone's like, how do you take him over Isaiah Simmons? Let's give the Panthers a shot and see if there was a reason. If Derek Brown becomes that guy, the leader of the defense, Derek Brown could take this too. Panthers are such an unknown on defense right now. It's incredible. So give him a chance as well. Yeah. Well, let's go right into the comeback player of the year. And I thought this was pretty much a two-man race. And I still think it's a two-man race, but I guess I one of the guys is more of a dark horse now. I thought this was going to be a Derwin James and Ben Roethlisberger showdown. I think Ben Roethlisberger, clear-cut, gets comeback player of the year. And Stafford is pretty much the dark horse because, unfortunately, Stafford played more than Ben. And Ben would have to be below average in order for Stafford to really surpass him. Just popularity contests and things of that such nature. But uh, Big Ben, my comeback player of the year. I'm going to go in on this one for a second because it is it is not even close. Big Ben is going to be comeback player of the year. And everybody I talk to about the Steelers says it's comical for me to think they're going to get over 10 wins or the Steelers. I've heard a couple people trying to tell me that we're going that they're going six and 10. And I just, I, I, I fail to understand how people like big Ben might be the MVP. The last time we saw him, he threw for over 5,000 yards. All he has to do is cut back on interceptions. And the, the Steelers are going to be the shock of the league. And big Ben isn't going to waste any time in becoming the talk of the league because he's going to, we're going to be on Monday night. Everyone's going to be watching because everybody either loves or hates the Steelers. There is no in-betweeners on Pittsburgh, but when it comes down to it, the Steelers last year went eight and eight. And I know Jeff, you know this, but there's two things that only the Steelers failed to do last year on offense. They are the only team in the league to never have a game with 400 yards of offense. There was 31 teams to do that. And believe it or not, the Steelers never scored 28 points in a game last year. So I want everyone to think about that. We return everybody and only add a two-time Super Bowl champion in Ben Roethlisberger. I just can't, I, I can't wait. Both of those things that we failed to do last year, 
we do week one Monday night against the New York Giants. And I know everyone wants to say, oh, well, his elbow, he's going to get hurt. The fact that you can just predict injuries like that is amazing to me. So let's just see what happens on the field. But if Big Ben is under center, the Steelers are going to shock a lot of people because for some reason their expectations are so low, which is baffling to me. Ben Roethlisberger walks away with comeback player of the year, and he wins it so far, and he's going to be talked about all year. That, that's why I believe Ben Roethlisberger may just win his first MVP award. So I'll let one of you two take it away from here. But Big Ben is going to be lights out this year, and I cannot wait. He oftentimes misses high is his biggest critique. I'd like everyone to know that outside of Deontay Johnson, everybody on our team is 6'2 or higher. We are a massive team. We're going to get red zone touchdowns. Oh, I'm getting too far away from Ben, and I'm getting on the Steelers. But I want you guys to just feel my conviction here. And I'm willing for anyone to tell me I'm wrong when I'm wrong. But I truly believe I will not be here. So I'll let you take it away, Nick. Who's your comeback player of the year? Well, good, because I'm going to be a homer, too. And I'm going to tell you why Matt Stafford is a better choice than Ben Roethlisberger. When he got injured in week eight, he had more passing yards and passing touchdowns than Patrick Mahomes. The team then went 0-8 without him. He is the heart and soul of that team. He's going to come into a better offense. We haven't seen what Big Ben's going to be without Antonio Brown yet. We're yet to see that in Pittsburgh. And granted, I like Juju, and I love Pittsburgh's defense. I think Pittsburgh will be a better team than Detroit. But if Detroit even makes it to 500, the only reason they did is because Stafford absolutely balled out. He would have to throw for 4,000 yards, 30-plus touchdowns, and he's pretty much good for those numbers every single year that he's on the field. So I'm going to be a homer, and I'm going to say Matthew Stafford. But to get away from the homer pick and someone that no one's really talking about as a comeback player, now with a new quarterback at the helm, A.J. Green, all the problems he had last year with injuries, he's going to be another big one for comeback player of the year. And, I, I mean, I'm just shocked. I, I have not heard anyone mention his name as far as a comeback player and another one would be Alex Smith we don't know that Dwayne Haskins is going to be the starter for the Washington football team Alex Smith is getting paid a ton of money to what sit on the bench he had a, a horrible injury that could have possibly ended his career but they're saying he's throwing again and if he's fully healthy unless they're just you know in tank and rebuild mode there's no reason he couldn't be the starter for Washington now, I don't know that they'll get enough wins for him to maybe be comeback player of the year, but he's going to be another one to watch. So those are the names I'll throw out there. Let me, let me, let me jump in here quick. I'm going to change my stance. I thought Big Ben was going to win it easily. I, I now regress, and I forgot about Alex Smith. I think if Alex Smith throws for 500 yards this year, total, in one touchdown, he will be the comeback player of the year based off of what he's going to have to overcome in order to get back on the field. We're talking a two year absence, correct? He has not played since 2018. Yeah. Yeah, the, or 2017. Like 18, I think it's 18 months or something like that. So when, when it comes down to it, if he's able to even get on the field this year and throws for a couple hundred yards and a couple of touchdowns, he's going to be the comeback player of the year based just solely off of absence and off of obstacles in order to get back. 
I don't think it even is going to matter what the other two quarterbacks do. I think if Alex Smith can just get back on the field and God forbid he starts a game, it's going to suck that there's not going to be any fans there because it would be a true magical sports moment to see him get a standing O. But I think Alex Smith wins it this year. Now that you say that it's almost going to be a foregone conclusion. If he rode the bench all year just to prevent more injury and just kind of mentor Dwayne Haskins, and in week 17, he came in and threw a touchdown the fourth quarter as like an end of the season. Even that, I think, would literally earn him def- or comeback play of the year. I just think that the story there is, is too strong. It's just too strong. So a couple things on all these picks. Um, I, I do agree with you in total about the magic story about Alex Smith. And, and if any of you guys are listening, if you have not seen the ESPN documentary called Project 11, it's about 45 minutes. My God, it, it, the emotions it makes you feel like you think you know how bad the injury was. You, you don't until you watch this. Um, they show pictures. They show things like I, I don't I just want you to watch it because it's truly amazing that this guy was able to be where he is now from where he was after that injury. It was it's absolutely fascinating. It's crazy. Kudo to Alex Smith. But I do not believe the story will get him the award. If you do, then yes. I mean, that, that story, you can't beat it. Um, what you said, Nick, when you said A.J. Green, I got him in all three of my fantasy leagues. You're right. No one's talking about him. He's got Tyler Boyd opposite of him, and they drafted T. Higgins. They've got jo- Joe Mixon, a plethora of weapons, and like you alluded to earlier, Jeff, Joe Burrow is going to be throwing that rock all over the place. He could – there's no expectations on the Bengals. If they win five games, they exceed expectations pretty much. So it's almost like a just let him uh, take the keys and just go test drive the car. Like whatever happens, happens. We'll take it and we'll learn from it. Um, so it's, it's hard for me to hear things on Big Ben and not want to at least try to defend him just a little bit. And obviously anybody could be wrong, but it is a valid point that we do not know what Big Ben is without Antonio Brown. but. People said, what's he going to be without Heinz Ward? What's he going to be without Plexigo Burris? What's he going to be without San Antonio Holmes? What's he going to be without Mike Wallace? What's he going to be without Heath Miller? But every time he keeps pumping out new star receivers, there's a reason why there's always a great stealer receiver being talked about in the NFL during Big Ben. It's not just the drafting. He took guys from the first, from the third, from the sixth to be what they are. Big Ben makes receivers. That's what he does. A lot of people say, oh, well, Big Ben is just a guy who tosses up the ball and lets his receivers do the work. How many times are you watching a team on Sunday where you're like, just give give the guy a chance, throw it up? Well, Big Ben does that. And wide receivers often win that that battle. So Juju, who, who knows who it'll be? But I am not worried in the slightest. And you talk about Antonio Brown's gone. Big Ben, everyone knows, has a little bit of an ego issue. Ten of his 16 interceptions the last year he played a full season, ten of them were when he was targeting Antonio Brown. He was clearly forcing the ball there. Big Ben has a bunch of young guys, and he is in sole command of the offense. He doesn't have to answer to anyone. There's no backup quarterback asking questions of when is Big Ben going to lose it. It is his team. He has full command. He's had a say in in who they've drafted. There's a reason we got Chase Claypool over some other guys. It, I, I just I can't wait for everyone to see what I know is going to happen. I am so excited to tell you guys in your face. And when I'm wrong, 
tell it to me, but I'm not going to be. It's almost comical how people think I'm going to be wrong. I, Oh, God, I'm just itching football in three days, boys. We're moving right into bold predictions. Brad, how many wins do the Steelers get this year? Um, I have them around the 11 to 13 mark. Um, I think 13 and three is our ceiling. Um, but along with our defense and Big Ben, I'd like to say the Steelers are going to be 12 and four. Um, I would be if we don't have double digit wins, it's because Big Ben got hurt. But again, we don't predict injuries here. I have them at 12 and four. All right, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna start off with uh, a bold prediction that I think we've we've hit on on this pod, but I recently have placed a hundred dollar bet on the Raiders over under four and a half wins. I have the under for a hundred dollars. Um, couple of friends of mine, and uh, I'm positive of that. The Raiders take a massive step back, and everybody keeps saying like, well. The Raiders got better. Absolutely, they did. I'm not arguing that the Raiders didn't get better. Matter of fact, I would argue the Raiders did get better. But do you know who else got better? Literally everyone in their division. Literally everyone. Teams around the league are getting better. They play a fairly difficult schedule. Searching on their roster just randomly. Brad and I, we were just talking on the phone the other day. And I made a prediction that they might not get their first win until like week 10 or 11. And they do have a three out of four week stretch where they could wrap up three wins. I'm searching for a fourth. I struggle there. The Raiders will not under any circumstances win five, win, five games this year. Otherwise I'm losing a hundred bucks. Next bold. Anybody? Go ahead, Brad. You know what? I just like bold predictions and I, I'm, what I'm about to tell you guys, I literally have, no evidence to back it up. This is just me as a fan hoping that either the Eagles or Cowboys don't win the division. Can we get a shock out of the Washington football team? Or can the Giants piece together magic, please? Because I hate the way Cowboys fans and Eagles fans are. And I'm sure they hate how I am as a Steelers fan. That's the beauty of the NFL. I love the banter. I think that's what I love more than anything. But, oh, my gosh, can, like, the Cowboys come in, like, third and the Eagles come in fourth? Like, please? I don't know how it would happen. But, like, come on. I I know there's people out there listening that are like, that would just be wonderful. If it was like, oh, the Giants are in the playoffs and both the Cowboys and Eagles are at home. I just – can we get that? Can we all just, like, cross our fingers? (laughs) Saquon Barkley, I've talked him up. I've drafted him number one. I'm putting my hope in the guy. Can Saquon Barkley and Danny Dimes, if that's what we're calling him now, can they please just outscore everybody? We can only hope because they don't have a defense. So, Saquon, please take us to the promised land. Get the Eagles and Cowboys at home on playoff weekend. Come on. Nick? I I have uh, three of them. Uh, One – is going to be the Steelers are going to finish third in their own division because I believe the Cleveland Browns will finally make the playoffs. Number two, I believe the NFC North is going to show itself as the most competitive division in football, and all four teams will finish 500 or better. And the third one that I have is I believe for the third time since the 16-game schedule has come about, we will have an 0-16 team. 
it will either be the Washington football team or more than likely the Jacksonville Jaguars because I don't even think they know who's starting in less than a week. They have no idea who's going to start on either side of the ball at any position. Well, let me jump in there because I have a bold prediction and it ties into yours right there. Here it is. Gardner Minshew will throw for 4,800 plus yards, but he will not be the starting quarterback in 2021. That's one of my bold predictions. It's tank for Trevor down there, man. He's going to throw 300 yards a game easily. Gardner can play. That team's just awful. Okay? He's going to throw for 4,800 plus. I'll tell you what. Everybody a couple years back, randomly after like week two, picked up Ryan Fitzpatrick on the waiver wire for Tampa Bay and rode him for half the season. Minshew, I think, is going to be that guy. I think he's going to throw for a ton of yards this year, and he's going to be a fantasy beast, but their team's going to be awful. It's just not going to be enough because they're going to give up. They're going to be up a ton or down a ton. I have more, but Brad, do you want to go again? Yeah, I've I've got one. Um, Obviously, everyone's excited for this, I believe, but the NFL is expanding its playoffs to seven on each side. On the NFC side, I have the NFC West, which is the division with the 49ers, Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals. And from the AFC, it will either be the North with the Ravens, Browns, Steelers, or it will be the AFC West with the Chiefs, Broncos, Chargers. But in the AFC and NFC, they will each have one division, have three teams in the playoffs. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but with there being an extra wild card spot out of out of those three divisions, I believe both the AFC and NFC will have one division, have three teams in the playoffs. Okay. I, don't think, I don't think that's unreasonable. So I'm going to double down on my, my initial prediction, but I'm also going to kind of uh, work it into what you just said. I think Kansas City takes a step back. They bring back everybody, so there's lots of arguments they'll be great. But just like the reasons about the Raiders – Everybody else around them is getting better. There's a lot of teams that improved. I think Kansas City wins only 10 to 11 games this year, but they probably still win that division. But because that division's so good, I also have three teams out of that division making the playoffs. I think the Chargers skate by unless they really get good quarterback play, but I'm really high on Denver. I think Denver will find a way to get into the playoffs with 10 wins. Nick, if you don't have one, I can go again here. Uh, go ahead, man. Um, I'd like to, to say that is I love the Steelers' defense. I think the 49ers have a good defense. But I would like to stay even with the loss of Derwin James. I believe the Chargers will have the number one defense in football at the end of the year. I believe they are built to stop what the best teams in the league do. When you look at the best teams – Outside of Baltimore, they're a little bit of a wild card. But the other best teams in the league, they have quarterbacks who can throw it all over the yard. There's a lot of passing going on. And the Chargers, I don't know if we've ever seen a cornerback group like the Chargers with two dominant pass rushers. I just think they're built to stop a lot of teams. We talk about the Broncos, how they have Sutton, Judy, and KJ Hamler. I like the L.A. Chargers corners better than that matchup. I just I think they have the ability to 
for so many takeaways. And I think we talk about the quarterback play, but Phillip Rivers took this team to 12-4 and two years ago. I don't think, I mean, this year Tyrod Taylor is a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers, I think. So if we're saying that if they had Phillip Rivers, we would believe they'd be so much better because of good quarterback play, I don't think they're losing quarterback play. I actually think they're getting better there. Maybe the timing with Keenan Allen's a little different, but you got got guys like Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Austin Eckler blew up last year. I don't think they'll have to do a lot on the offensive end because I believe the Chargers will have the best defense in the NFL this year. That is my bold prediction. Actually, I got another one if you got a minute. Um, yeah. To, to pay for his sins of this offseason, Bill O'Brien will not make it to the end of the season as the coach for the Houston nope. Texans. Oh, me and Brad have been on record. We don't think he makes it to the bye. Week four, he gets fired after their own four. <laughs> uh, I think he'll. I think he'll make it past four weeks just because of what they've invested in tearing that team down, and you know, paying Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes money for the next four years. But mm-hmm. he he's not making it to the end of the year, and if he does, he's going to be the first coach that you hear come Black Monday. Mm-hmm. Well, I have two minor ones as we as we come to a close here. The Panthers might have one of the worst defenses this year as they completely rebuild their team, lose a lot of veterans. Um, but my bold prediction is that they find a way to go 8-8. Eight and eight. They have, in my opinion, a very well-oiled offense. And they might be the team. This is kind of a bold prediction that I'm going to throw with them. I think they will lead the league in the least amount of turnovers. They will, they will have the best turnover plus minus in the entire league. I don't think they're going to turn it over a whole lot. They just don't have the guys that fumble. They don't have the they, Teddy Bridgewater doesn't throw picks. This, this team's going to be, they're going to be like that team from the Steelers last week where last year, where they're going to struggle to score 30 points in a game, even probably 28, but I don't think their defense is going to give up 30 points a game. They're going to win. I think they're going to go roughly eight and eight. That's my bold for them. And in closing for me, I've been on record that said that the Bills were going to win the AFC East. I come increasingly more confident in this team every day. The New England Patriots will win the AFC East again. That's my closing bold. If anybody else has any, speak away. Um, I don't know if it's bold, but just on you saying the Patriots are going to win the division, I guess maybe since they have done it since I've been born pretty much. I'd like to say that they come in third. I think the Miami Dolphins could shock that division and win it, although the Bills are so good. I do have the Bills winning the division, but I would say I would not be shocked if the Patriots came in third in the division and the Dolphins and Bills both were were one and two, if we're talking just the AFC East. Um, Maybe the Patriots are favored, and maybe they will just go win it again because Cam Newton's looking really good right now. But we'll see how it translates on the field. They've they've just lost so much in their front seven on defense. They they lead the league in players sitting out because of the coronavirus. Is Cam Newton running ability or not? Is he going to be able to do more than Tom Brady did for that team? I mean, I can only name Julian Edelman. They've got like 87 running backs on their depth chart. Like I just I don't I don't really 
for the first time, I don't know what the Patriots are going to be. And that's weird because you always know what they're going to be. But right now, I don't know what they're going to be. And I don't know if that'll work in favor of the Patriots. So I think it'd be bold to say they go from, I, I want to say first to worst to make it cool, but the Jets are so freaking bad that you just can't do that. So they finished third. Okay. I kind of want to piggyback off that a little bit. Uh, you asked, can Cam Newton do more for them than Tom Brady? And I say, yes, he can. That does not mean he's a better quarterback than Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination. But when you, you, you touched on it, people sitting out with Corona, that defense is not going to be as solid. They're going to need to be able to chew clock, run the ball, be able to keep time of possession. And Cam Newton running some type of read option offense to go in with that spread, I think he can be versatile enough to give the offense a little more of a spark than maybe even Tom Brady could have this year had he have stayed. Um, I know predictions can get a little iffy when we talk trades, so I'll just leave it pretty vague. But by week six, OBJ will not be a Cleveland Brown. I think Kevin Stefanski comes in double tight end, runs the rock into oblivion. He's got Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt. He likes Austin Hooper. They still have got David Njoku. He's no longer asking for a trade, to my knowledge. Jarvis could be the one. But I think OBJ, for what, the fourth time in his career, finds a new home? Or would this be the third time? He's only played for two teams, yeah. Yeah, so, third time. But yeah. um, I think OBJ will, will, for the third time, be traded. I don't know to who. Um, I think a team who maybe could make a push, which would be kind of scary, is uh, the Green Bay Packers, if I had to predict somewhere. I thought it would be Seattle, but they spent all the money on Jamal Adams. So I think the Green Bay Packers, they regret their decision to draft Jordan Love, who I've heard is being worse than terrible at camp. And uh, they decide to make it up to Aaron Rodgers with Odell. So that's my prediction. If Odell goes to Green Bay, I'm switching the whole Chicago winning the division thing. Because <laughs> yeah. annoying me with putting Trubisky in over Foles. If Yikes. Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and OBJ, they're winning that division by a lot. They're a Super Bowl contender up there with San Fran in, in the NFC if that happens. I'd like to do a little shout-out. Um, I know there's a couple people. Uh, Tyler Kemp, I know him from volleyball. David Nutter, good friend of mine. They both have given me pretty good uh, – pretty good reasons as to why they think that I know I did the poll in real talk that they would be the team from uh, championship Sunday to not make the playoffs the next year. I want to say one that's harder because there's seven teams now, not six. And their division is so incredibly tough that it makes it, you know, a wild card spot. They could have a lot more losses in division with the Seahawks Rams and the emergence of the Cardinals. But I hear a lot of the same thing. Their defense is going to be so good, but their offense doesn't scare me with the names. You know, Jimmy G, can he be that guy? They lose Emmanuel Sanders. And I just have to say Kyle Shanahan. The 49ers are going to still be first in that – or they'll be second in the division behind the Seahawks. But they will definitely make the playoffs. Um, I'm going to disagree with them publicly on the podcast, but I did want to give them a shout-out because they went heavy against the grain. I believe they are the only two people that said that the 49ers would be the ones to not make the playoffs. I always appreciate bold predictions because most people have them as the favorite to return with the Chiefs. But they do make a good point with the Rams, Cardinals, Seahawks, 
if they do slip up or if they have an injury to Jimmy Garoppolo, who has been injured once or twice in his career, I believe. Who knows what could happen? But you got to get Kyle Shanahan's worth seven points, in my opinion. But I just their bold prediction is that the 49ers don't make the playoffs. I wanted to put it out there. Well, lots of bold predictions. You know, feel free to throw your own out there on the uh, on the Facebook page. We'd love to see them. We'd love to talk about them. Hoping to be back this week with a couple more of our blazing hot picks. Uh, our five locks for the weekend. Uh, you guys, the NFL is back this Thursday, which means you're going to be hearing a hell of a lot more from us and our opinionated selves about the NFL season. I personally cannot freaking wait. I'm so excited. I know you guys are too. In closing, thank you again for listening. Brad, thanks. Nick, thanks. We'll see you guys later. Later. Have a good one.